You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life, featuring Jim Ganser and Jeff Culleton. Hello, and welcome to the program. You're listening to The A-Game podcast. My name is Jim Ganser, VP of Media at Adcom. Joining me this week, our Vice President of Digital, Jeff Culleton in the house. Hi, my friend. Always good to see you. Literally yes, and, see you this time too. Yeah, we could we could actually see each other for a change. Actually, it's not a change at all. We're all doing video calls. <laughs> Speaking of video calls, um, we've got a special guest this week um, joining us from iHeart. The president himself of Northern Ohio, Keith Hotchkiss, is here to talk audio with us this week. Thank so, you, boy, guys. Thank so you for having me. Legal title you have. Yeah, you know, the titles sometimes. You know, they are what they are. Heavy life here. Well, no. I am here. <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're clearly superior to us, uh, Keith, what, <laughs> or at least Jeff, at least Jeff. Uh, we'll, we'll give you the floor. Just real quick intro, uh, opportunity to just let the listeners know who don't know you already, um, a little bit about you, your background, and what you do over at iHeart. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, I had... Uh, Started in actually radio in Cleveland, Ohio in 1999, and I've had the fortune of sticking around somehow for all these years. Uh, my career took me to Charlotte for a few years, where I ended up being the president of the Charlotte market for uh, the last couple of years. I had the chance to come home to Cleveland and run our Cleveland, Akron, Cannon, Youngstown clusters of iHeart uh, Media, which includes the radio stations, about 20 and our traffic and weather network, some of our national premier syndication operations, and of course, uh, the localized versions of the iHeart app. So it's uh, been a wild ride, um, traditional media converging with digital, and uh, we're trying to you know, collect it all and see where it's gonna take us. And then everything changed you know, nine weeks ago. <laughs> Is yeah, it nine weeks ago? Are we nine weeks into this? Yes, we are. Oh. We are. It's you could have said ninety, and I would have believed both of them. That's insane. I uh, I was looking. It was nine weeks ago today that I closed the office, um, thinking that it was going to be somewhat temporary, and not even really knowing what we were doing. Yeah. And uh, and this is where we ended up. So, and uh, certainly, uh, it feels like at least in Ohio, we are opening back up. And um, it doesn't necessarily, not everybody knows how that's going to go. Not everybody's, you know, on board. Some people, it's, it's all over the spectrum. This is going to be, this is an experiment. This is the story of our generation for sure. Whatever. Yeah. What, what has been the experience for your team so far? This has been a, I mean, we're, we're all going through this. Uh, we're all in the same situation. But given uh, the fact that you're in a sales-driven organization, is it really that different? How much flexibility is, is, is an office for an iHeart, for example? Yeah, you know, I think that traditionally we really enjoyed being in the office together and we probably were more office centric than many sales organizations were. Um, and, and that pretty much got turned on its head. And I think we've realized quite frankly that we can do pretty well uh, from a remote environment. Um, that said, I think that there's some desire to meet collectively and in person at least a little more often. But this sort of hybrid model where people can you know, go on teams and have conversations, at least in the uh, interim, is going to be uh, pretty well 
uh, it's pretty well ingrained in us now that you can do this on some level at least a few days a week, if not, you know, semi-permanently. Now, do you guys from how much uh, uh, of the programming gets created in your office right right now, and how are you guys handling that? Are you you sent equipment out to people's houses? How is that? Are you doing Zoom? Like, what's 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 that look like? Well, so yeah, um, actually, about uh, three quarters of the daytime programming, six uh, A to seven P, is created in the offices in Cleveland. And the hosts have the option of doing it live from their homes or in the studios. Um, in a ensemble show environment, which many of these programs still are, uh, it's preferred to still be in the studio looking at each other, uh, seeing each other's reactions. It just isn't quite the same on a Zoom call. Um, and people still end up, you end up stomping over each other more often than you'd like to. Um, I think that it, it, that natural experience of a conversation just still can't be replicated when you're not, you know, in the same room. Um, so we incur, we're, we're having most of that still occur. That's why most of the salespeople and support and all the rest are not in the office. Just it's only the essential, uh, on-air personnel, um, that are, that said though, I mean, you know, that content is being created in, in remote areas and it's hard to tell the difference if, unless you're listening really carefully. So obviously there's been a big shift, um, just a physical shift from where everybody's working, how everybody's working, but there's also this um, great unknown that we're all kind of working underneath with regard to, you know, the financial viability of a lot of businesses right now. So given the fact that, I mean, a lot of your clients, are in uncertain times, like how has your mindset shifted within this, this uh, post-COVID uh, world that we're in? I think the hardest part for us is that so many of our longstanding partners found themselves um, clueless as to where to go. You know, was it a good idea to advertise? Would there be anybody buying anything? Um, would there be people listening to the radio or listening to audio at all? You kind of assumed that people might be watching more TV and, and at least in the initial part of this, and that proved to be true. Um, so we, you know, tried really hard to uh, allow our folks to advertise with us in a way that was going to be, the best for them. There's many of our partners are longstanding partners. Some of them have been with us for 10, 20 uh, years. And um, so we tried really hard if they were going to be experiencing what we thought were going to be tough times to allow them out of the contract or to run the advertising at severely discounted rates, if not at no charge. Um, you know, this is a supply and demand business and, you know, certain businesses are still closed. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to advertise. So our demand went down. So we found an opportunity to run public service announcements. Uh, we aired more than 15,000 public service announcements in the month of April. Uh, some of it on behalf of the food bank and other worthy organizations. Um, and then not counting the pro bono spots we ran for our partner clients um, to try and allow them to let people know they were open and safe. And some folks um, took advantage and, and were able to still operate rather uh, without a lot of disruption. 
and and they were able to gain market share. So you found a widely disparate, unfortunately, for some people, uh, range of emotions and advertising success stories. So those that remained on the air, both radio and television, were able to grab uh, available market share from some of their competitors that had to go dark or chose to go dark. Some of them, unfortunately, didn't want to go dark on media, but had to. Um, Others uh, felt that they didn't want to advertise if they were also laying people off. They weren't sure about that mixed message. Um, And then eventually some people said, you know, I have to let people know I'm open if I'm going to survive this. And so we took it week by week. Um, and the business has recovered slightly, albeit though, um, it's a slower recovery than we'd like it to be. But I think we're trying to look at this as a long game here, um, that we're going to suffer some, uh, pretty short term, significant drops in demand. Uh, but then hopefully that will allow us to, uh, ramp back up the right way with advertisers and allow them to, as they're ramping up, we're going to ramp up with them. Are you seeing, so from a messaging standpoint, we had, a, we had a, uh, somebody on the show last week, his name's Ari Lewis from Ohio X. And, you know, he, he was very adamant about not wanting every single brand that he comes into contact with to inundate him with a, what is their response to COVID? Like, you know, if, if you don't, if, if you like all bird sneakers, do you need to know how they're responding to this? For all intents and purposes, no. And we went through a little bit like, you know, are, is it something that's going to make you move away from, you know, affinity for a brand? I, we never came up with a definitive response, but are you, are you starting to see your advertisers move out of the strictly COVID messaging into a more trying to get back to maybe not sales as usual, but trying to get back into what their new business is going to look like? now versus just being like hey you know we're here for you if you need us and blah 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 and our facilities are clean and you know kind of all the standard stuff that we're hearing that's become white noise yeah i think the consumer sentiment is uh, shifting pretty quickly um to i uh, pretty much assume you're going to be safe and following uh covid uh regulations and if you're not i'm going to turn around and walk out the door right away so um, we talk a lot about if, if I hear, now granted, I pay a lot more attention and we pay a lot more attention than many consumers do, but I don't need to hear any more ads that tell people that they're there for me or that they're, we're all in this together. I mean, I know that, I guess. Uh, I'm, I know that the bank is there for me. Sure they are, right? We're all, <laughs> um, no, and it's fine. I get it. We're all humans. Um, I, I believe that, um, there's a, there's a clamoring every day. We, we do consumer sentiment every day from our research arm called Critical Mass Media. And it's mainly a listener sentiment uh, as far as how our programming folks should be messaging. And, and certainly, um, there's not necessarily a uh, – everybody nobody's saying COVID doesn't exist. But uh, well, they're looking for a return to normalcy. So as long as it's not obnoxious, I think a return to normalcy is appreciated. I don't, I, we've, we're kind of erring on the side that pretty soon, if not already, um, a, uh, a messaging that's going to be relevant to people, right? And that may not be the same as it was pre-COVID, but it doesn't have to be talking about, you know, wearing masks and staying six feet apart when you walk into a bank either. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, one I of think the things one of the I'm sorry, Jim, just one thing. One of the things that we talk a lot about is, you know, what what pieces of the behavior are going to maintain. And so we've started asking, just seeding these questions. And you know, uh, car dealerships are a big piece of you know local radio market. And you know, we have some clients in that space as well. And we started talking about it from their client's perspective. Now that you know that a dealership will operate completely virtually, all things go back to normal. We have a vaccine. The world is safe again. Blah blah. Do you still expect? Uh, them to operate in that virtual capacity. You not having to go in a level of transparency around money and finance and the overwhelming numbers are yes. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see that's, that's a very specific answer, but those are, those are going to be uh, uh, consumer behaviors around are going to change. And the question is, you know, which ones are going to stick. And for sure. And we talk a lot about, um, you know, consumer behavior that has been permanently altered already. You know, um, and some of it via necessity and some of it that's actually going to be better experiences for the consumer that uh, that COVID sort of forced into the uh, into happening. And and one of the experiences is buying an automobile. Right. That is a in some every, nobody would argue that that's sometimes not a, a, a frustrating experience just to sit there for three hours while you're trying to buy a car. And that's been down and the fact that you can get that done a lot of it online and virtually um average uh dealers should promote that um anybody that's making it easier to have a consumer experience now uh, we're encouraging them to promote that because i think that you're seeing that sentiment they're ready to get out there but they are ready to also try new things as well yeah i think there's there's covid messaging and there's relevant messaging and now that a lot of states are getting to a point where they're starting to open the doors to businesses, some of those businesses have relevant information to share to the consumer. And I think really what it comes down to is really having an increased focus on serving consumers' needs. And part of that need right now is information to give them confidence in being able to go through the door again, because mm -hmm. frankly, it's going to take a while. And you know, car dealerships, restaurants, there's, there's a ton of categories where people are going to be a little bit sheepish about assuming those same roles that they had prior. Um, but getting back to advertising specifically, there have, you know, there have been a lot of advertisers that have pulled back on spending during this time period, but there, there have been advertisers who've kind of stayed firm and, and stayed on the air. To your point, you know, people being able to take additional market share so just based on your experience over the past couple of months, are there specific categories of, of brands or industries that have been more, uh, more inclined to stay on the air? Yeah, um, some of the ones might be obvious. Um, you know, financial planners, uh, financial institutions, uh, there's an obvious increase as Americans look at their portfolios. And now, unfortunately, they, depending on what state you're in, uh, upwards of 20% of that state's residents are unemployed currently. So there's obviously certainly concern there about the financial future. Um, then there's also, you know, a, a consumer that's been relatively bulletproof throughout this. Um, they've got uh, jobs that are essential or they, you know, invested well initially. They made a lot of money the last 10 years and they are sitting at home and they're looking at their uh 
landscaping or their windows and they want to get those fixed. So home improvement has been, you know, through the roof. And those were always categories that were good uh, advertising because the, the economies of scale were so strong, right? You know, you could spend a lot of money against advertising because every sale you received a lot versus a restaurant, it was harder, you know, you spend $10,000 as a restaurant versus $10,000 as an aluminum siding company. And you only need one sale to cover your costs for the siding company with a restaurant. You've got to sell a lot of takeout meals to cover that $10,000. So uh, just the economies of scale of advertising are better. Um, some of the things that you might expect, and then some of the areas that you, that you wouldn't expect to grow, um, you know, uh, even things like playground equipment, you know, you think to yourself, well, are people really um, ready to invest on that kind of stuff? But yeah, they're expecting to be at home more. Um, and they've seen increases. Recruitment is still there um, because even as people are unemployed now, they have to, that employment is going to run out, unfortunately, and they're going to need to shift into other areas. Uh, there's, and, and this is going to be a challenge too for folks that have found themselves unemployed because uh, the jobs and the, the jobs they had may not come back, but there's going to be new opportunities. There's tens of thousands of job openings right now in light construction, in remodeling. Uh, there's a company based out of Canton, area-wide protective, that's going to be hiring 700 to 1,000 traffic controllers because Really? Way, yeah, it's uh, because of uh, construction that's going to be going on highways and construction that's going to be happening. They're going to need to do different kind of controls of traffic flow based on COVID. I mean, this is all hospitals are going to be reconstructing their uh, entrances and exits because they're not conducive to social distancing. And they're going to hire uh, people to wave the orange flags. Uh, it's all very... Um, so businesses are are moving up and down, and I think that's the hardest part of uh, when you find yourself unemployed is 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 pivoting your career, and um, that's the hardest part of anything is is going through change. Our business is going through change. Our advertisers are going through change. Our salespeople are going to have to pivot, and because the type of advertisers that sustain them for many years, you know, I, I, I there was a study that came out from University of Chicago yesterday that sadly noted uh, almost a hundred thousand small businesses may not make it out of this that's a devastatingly sad number for people that have many of them put their life savings into their own small business yeah. um and some of them were advertisers uh and some of them are gonna have to reinvent themselves um so we're all hoping that they find an opportunity to do that and maybe we can help them Yeah, I think, I think that's the best approach that we can take at this point, um, whether we're talking about, uh, you know, you know, people that are actually selling advertising versus, you know, agency folks like us that are working directly with brands and marketers. This, in times like these, it becomes relationship equity time, and it becomes a little bit less about the dollars and cents. We're all very conscious of it and it's it's a conversation that we're having on a daily basis because you know there is there's a lot of uncertainty but at the same time i think uh, one of the most encouraging things that we're seeing going on from a messaging standpoint and from an action standpoint is some of the selfless acts that are happening with with those that are still in good standing and and, and it's encouraging to hear about companies like yours that are you know working hand in hand with clients and, and helping weather the storm 
ultimately, you know, what we're able to do as individuals and, and, and organizations is just a small piece, but, you know, we're, we're, we're in for a, a long fight here um, for the most part. I also am curious, and, and I think we could all open the discussion up here because I think there's going to be a, um, a ch- I guess the challenge, and it's not really a challenge, the, the, the deciding factors of how much advertising is going to be continuously targeted at uh, people based on the algorithms that they fit into and how much is more broad-based trying to get people into the consideration set, right? I mean, that's been, um, you, you know, the, the rush to digital has often always been about being able to be more micro-targeted, and certainly that has provided a significant return on investment for a lot of people because, in theory, you're talking to people that are have already much more likely to make that purchase. Um, that said, um, there's also a lot to be said about introducing yourself to people that may not have considered your product and that balance of how much to put forth into, you know, conquest and capture versus hyper-targeting. And, you know, our company has invested a tremendous amount in data and trying to figure out how to both hyper-target while we've got this big broadcast element over here. And brands ask us all the time, well, how much is the balance between, uh, broadcasting and, and mass targeting versus hyper-targeting. And I don't know if we've figured out that answer yet. And you wonder actually which one's going to be more important as people are, brands are pulling back. We know that the biggest brands though have, are going to survive COVID better. And so there's some sentiment that means that maybe doing mass and more mass media to make you a big brand uh, might help you weather the storm and, and survive in the long run. I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that. Well, I, I actually, so I think there's a couple of pieces to it that I'm seeing, you know, we're very blessed to have um, a really diverse book of business. And some of the pieces that I work on that I think has been cool is we, we've, we've gone past the point of, oh, I don't want to look opportunistic. Um, you know, there's those maybe a month, give or take, where people are like, oh my God, you know, there's so much going on. I, wanna, I don't want to look opportunistic. However, you can not look opportunistic out to the market and be opportunistic in your business. This is what I'm seeing is people are looking, the people who are going to make it out of this better are looking right now and saying, ah, man, you know what? That's a thing we've been avoiding because it's been hard and let's just jump into it. And one of the things I'm, uh, one of the places I'm seeing it come out a lot is what we're doing right now is a great example is we've become over the last five, however many years extraordinarily romanced by the perfection of like all these really high level production tactics, all these things that look beautiful and look easy and really aren't, um, which kind of, you know, just flow away in a stream of other things that look easy. The, I, I'm seeing a lot of people pivot to timeliness and relevance with quality, like production quality, like we're seeing right now, being less of a factor. So brands that may have been extraordinarily particular um, looking and saying, well, it matters more that we're out there saying something. It matters more that we're doing research and then presenting it quickly so people can react to it. Um, And I think that's making huge dividends. And part of that is looking and saying, ah, you know what? That's not a media we usually do. Like that's not a thing we usually do. And looking at it and going, yeah, you know what though, to your point, I can get it cheaply right now. I can be somewhere where my competitors 
probably aren't, maybe if they're pulling back a little bit. So I think the people who are really gonna weather this strongly are the ones who take this time to not overthink, not overplan, get to the market, look for deals, but are there. And I think consistency is just gonna be, you know, what, what the ratio is, is it, you know, 40% hyper-targeted, 60% mass? It doesn't matter right now as much as getting your at-bats, taking the repetitions and then figuring out what comes out of it. I, I don't disagree with that, but I will say this. Um, one thing that we know for certain right now is that there are less buyers in the marketplace, just generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Less people are inclined to make purchases. We're all watching the stats. We're all watching the consumer sentiment. But with that being said, there's a lot of attention right now. So I think if there was ever a time to work your way out of micro-targeting, because when I really think about precision targeting, when I think about digital marketing at its finest, and you're pairing up the message with the audience in the moment, which is the value proposition of it, that's really closely related to a sale or a conversion event. I associate that with like mid to low funnel. But when there's fewer people willing to make a purchase at the bottom of the funnel, it's a natural time to work your way back up. And whether you're using a physical broadcast channel like radio or television, or you're using an approach that is designed to reach a massive audience, I think now is the time to potentially work your way back up the funnel, given the fact that there's fewer buyers in the market right now, if you want to remain relevant. Uh, One of the challenges with being able to capitalize on that from like a television standpoint uh, is is the fact that you got to invest in invest dollars into creating new assets, new messaging. It's really easy, low funnel to swap out banners, to maybe even do like a quick animation and get your message across and drive to a landing page and let that do the heavy lifting. It's really difficult with with television, but I feel like in the audio space specifically, this is a huge opportunity because if you could script it, you can get it produced. Yeah. And you can get it out there. So it seems like it's actually a good time from an opportunity standpoint to be sitting in, in, in Keith's seat right now. Yeah. And, and, and thank you for that, Jim. But also, yes, you're correct. And, and, and both of there's two interesting points there. You're right. Uh, we, were, we were talking to a, a couple of partners that, had, um, that were talking about their television creative. And we had said, well, you know, as speaking specifically geographically from Ohio, um, you know, we are in the mindset, and I don't think it's illogical to suggest that in the next few weeks, um, we've been in lockdown, if you will, or semi-lockdown, depending on who you are for the last nine weeks. Uh, So we spent 60 days at home. I don't think I'm going to come back home for 60 days as soon as we kind of break out of it. I might build a tent (laughs) in my backyard, right? And um, so... You have, we, have a, we have a logical hope that um, the advertisers that are on the air with us are going to see a tremendous amount of success because we can already see the audiences rebounding. There is no doubt that during COVID, uh, radio-specific in-car listening was down, and uh, that's both logical and supported by Nielsen data. That said, it's already going back up, and... Um, it's, uh, it's, we expect it to return to pretty much pre-COVID levels, you know, around June 1st and beyond. And then add to that, to your point, Jim, the advantageousness of being on now where the demand is not there. So the supply is there. So if you're willing to come on and you can create a message and we can help you with that, or you guys can help someone with that, 
uh, yeah, it's not that hard to create an audio message. And then, by the way, um, many people still don't take advantage of our ability to track the audio messages web traffic. Um, we can uniquely sync up web traffic and search with all of the broadcast and audio podcast streaming messaging, right? We can sync up uh, web search with that, create a web story, find out which audio messages are getting better web search, which ones are driving better traffic. Both organic and direct search should go up pretty significantly. Our value proposition to advertisers now is if you're doing a radio campaign and usually there's some streaming involved with that, if your web traffic isn't going up at least 5, 10, 15, 20%, you're doing something wrong. Um, the messaging is off point or you're on the wrong station mix or you're not on the right day parts or nobody wants your product. One of those things. Uh, so um, we can track that pretty well and it's pretty uh, and it's within a few days. You can get an answer, especially if you've got a good frequency. So, and, and now's the time to get a good frequency at a pretty affordable cost. So yeah, as folks can do that. And then to the point about television, um, State Farm is an example of an advertiser that used to probably spend a million dollars on a TV shoot. And then most recently, the shot I saw was the CEO with his iPhone. It didn't look like it cost a lot of money to produce it. It didn't look any less effective to me. So I think that you're right. I don't know if um, you need to have the quality as much as the messaging at this point, too. Yeah, well, State Farm's got that Alfonso Rivera money. So yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't all have that. No, right. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big price point right there. Yeah. I'm Carlton's glad. not cheap. No, no, no. <laughs> he's got that. He's got that good resume, that, that AFV money. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be coming, you gotta be a hitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the in car because when you think about radio, you think about commuting and obviously like I've filled up one gas tank in two mm-hmm. cars over probably 90 Six days. Feet. I mean, it's been nuts. Yeah. It's crazy. But the thing about radio, when you look at, you, you referenced Nielsen, when Nielsen went out and, and did their latest research to, to track what's actually happening with audio listenership, they saw that there was about a 32% drop in, in car listenership. But overall, you've got a 26% lift at home. And then when you look at mobile, when you look at, you know, podcasts when you look at you know streaming through computers everything's going through the roof actually listenership's up overall yeah. it's just been a shift and it's been a different behavior have you been saying that that advertisers are shifting their their day part mixes their approaches uh yes well they should um if they haven't yes yeah. uh yeah the um it's interesting in terms of um the hard part i think for most advertisers is that you could make a purchase in January, December, and make an assumption that um, in whatever was going to run in April, May, June, that there wasn't going to be a tremendous amount of disruption or noise between them. But the number, the, the, obviously, the COVID disruption happened and everything went all haywire. And now the differences in audience behaviors in terms of in-car is different dramatically from three weeks ago. So um, hopefully audience, yes, we offered all of our advertisers an, an opportunity to shift to 
for example, on broadcast uh, stations like News Talk and Spoken Word that we're seeing huge increases in consumption, both in broadcast and in streaming. And they and did some cases, especially early on in COVID, pulled off of stations like uh, Top 40 and Urban that saw pretty significant decreases in listening. There wasn't a whole lot of interest in fun the first two weeks of April. Yeah. Um, and in fact, on iHeart uh, radio playlists, you saw significant decreases in listening for um, dance music and techno and urban and top 40, but significant increases in listening to podcasts and news talk and, you know. McLaughlin. Yeah, certainly. And I still see that uh, ad with Sarah McLaughlin and the sad, sick dogs, That's unfortunately. It's brutal. Um, I think the, uh, the biggest piece of, so yes, we're, we're seeing that. We're allowing people to take advantage of, of, uh, of and I'm sorry, I've got the, we've got this, the working from home. There's the baby, no the, the four-year-old, no, the, the, the four-year-olds in the background, right? Um, so yeah, we've seen people taking advantage of, of some of that, some of that audiences of news talk, podcast, and they've been pivoting. Um, that said, yeah, uh, audio rose back up pretty dramatically. We we're very fortunate at iHeart to already have a pretty robust podcast network, and that's only seen significant growth in COVID. Um, that'll probably level off actually a little bit because uh, the simple fact of the matter is that once they get in their cars, AM, FM is still pretty easy, pretty convenient, and pretty habitual for a lot of people. Some of that habit will change, certainly. Um, COVID's going to disrupt a lot of habits. Uh, and it's going to throw a lot of people off, and, and we're going to still see how that shakes out. But we're already seeing a pretty significant return to, um, to more pre-COVID in-car listening levels. Um, you know, and that said, I, I got to be honest, our main uh, pitch to advertisers is that we're platform agnostic. If you want to hear the audio commercial on a podcast or on a streaming ad or on a radio station, mm -hmm. it's all good. We don't really care. We want it to work. That's our main goal. So um, we think broadcast works really well and we can prove it. Um, we also think podcast works really well and we can prove it. So we're going to try and provide, we're going to try and give you a solution that's going to give you all the best uh, bang for your buck. Um, and in some cases, that's uh, influencers on broadcast. In some cases, that's influencers on a podcast. In some cases, that's just a bunch of streaming ads targeted at uh, older folks or younger folks. It doesn't really matter. Um, and so hopefully we're able to behave a little bit more like a digital company and just be agnostic to the platform and more specifically tailored to the advertiser's need. That is why he's the president. Yeah. <laughs> right there. That was a very presidential, that, that answer had gravitas. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, I can all, uh, all right. I, I had a Will Ferrell moment. I can't even, I don't even remember what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> all kidding aside, Keith, this, this has been fantastic. Um, you've provided a ton of great insights. The conversation has been great. A uh, couple things that I just kind of pulled from, from what we kind of talked through. Number one, you know, there's an opportunity to take advantage of white space right now, specifically within broadcast. There are still a lot of advertisers and categories that are standing on the sidelines. You, there's an opportunity to jump in right now. And mm -hmm. there are partners like iHeart that are willing to work with you on pricing. Um, it's, it's probably an advantageous time to actually jump into you know, the shallow end of the pool and, and 
or at least stick your toe in the water, look upper funnel. Um, we are so laser focused on conversion, conversion, conversion. We know people aren't going to be buying as much right now. So take the opportunity to simplify your message, work your way up the funnel a little bit. That doesn't necessarily mean that you need to talk COVID, but talk more broadly about your value proposition and your brand. Take this as a brand opportunity. And then lastly, don't, don't discount the data story, even when you're talking about something like radio. Work with your partners to tie it out um, and, and, and find better ways to, to communicate more to your clients, to your bosses, to whomever. Um, this has been a great conversation. Jeff, Keith, really appreciate the time today. Um, Jeff, any parting words? I, this makes me happy. My, my extroverted self needs to see your faces. And while the podcast listeners might not see them, this is, uh, this is fabulous. I, 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 I'm, uh, I'm an opportunist myself. So, you know, outside of all of the, you know, the craziness that's happening right now, I always think it's a, you know, people who take the time in a, in, in a dramatic tectonic shift like this, to look at how it's going to affect both positively and negatively a consumer and then react and build businesses, build marketing strategies around those things are the people that win. I think Keith, to your point, you know, there's, there's going to certainly be some carnage from the small business side of things, but there's going to be pieces of this that grow up, you know, it's bigger and better than they ever have been before. And frankly, I, th I think they're going to be very, very consumer centric uh, in businesses that just didn't have the, the, the need to spend, uh, in order to keep those robust bottom lines going. So, you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic for maybe not the V-shaped recovery that uh, we, we had all initially hoped for, um, but for a recovery nonetheless that looks a lot better on the other side of this in a lot of different industries. And always nice to just chop it up with two friends who are, you know, at home trying to keep the doors closed from their kids barging in at any given time. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah. That's, that's the, uh, that is the new normal for sure. Um, post COVID is kids barging in on zoom calls for yes. sure. And thank you both for your partnership. And I really enjoyed it. I hope the listeners found this uh, somewhat interesting and uh, hopefully it'll, depending on when they're listening, you never know, right? Because this data or in this conversation might seem dated uh, two to three weeks from when, when, when it was recorded. So hopefully um, it's been somewhat helpful though for those of you that have uh, listened all the way through. That's the nice thing about having a show and a studio is we can turn this puppy around in a matter of days. There you go. So we'll, we'll keep it relevant, I promise. Thanks guys. Thanks Keith.